Hello and welcome to the 93 Talks, a podcast brought to you by the UK's largest network of state-educated university students, the 93% Club Foundation. Did you know that 93% of the UK's population is state-educated? This number is not representative of the university population and definitely not represented in the corporate world. It's our mission to rectify this and support those that make it to university. Here on the 93 Talks, we will bring you content with employers, successful professionals and community ambassadors. This is a podcast for students, by students. We are the 93% Club. Serious about social mobility. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the 93 Talks. I'm your co-host Joshua Best and I'm joined by a very special guest who will now introduce himself. Hello Josh, great to be here. Um, so yeah, my name's Gary, Gary Izanwa. I am a very passionate social mobility advocate. So great to be on the podcast today. You know, talk things all social mobility, everything else around it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose a very quick introduction to myself. Um, I currently work at you know, an international organization. I'll just I'll say it, the, the British Council. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, I probably should preface this like all views on my yeah. own. You know. Uh, you know yeah, you have to, you know, always on my own, you know, I'm only representing my thoughts here, uh, seriously. Um, but yeah, I, kind of, I work at the British Council uh, and what I do is I manage programs for a campaign that is committed to social mobility. What we do is provide low-income students and recent graduates with funded opportunities in China. So yeah. um, really meaningful work, really impactful work. Uh, and I really enjoy seeing the development, the impact it has on our alumni. Um, before the British Council, I used to work at LinkedIn so I started my career there for three and a half years, where I was based in, in Dublin, Ireland for three years, yeah, three and a half years. Great introduction to business, um, you know, how the tech world works, which I'm sure we might speak about. Um, and actually before LinkedIn, I spent um, a year traveling after university on a gap year. Wow. Well, my <laughs> university experience hopefully will be somewhat similar to Gary's budget. Um, because I'm hearing I'm hearing British Council, LinkedIn, traveling. I'm just like, well, that's a bit boring. But yeah, it's great to hear like the stuff that you're doing and you know, you've Thank been you. an advocate for social mobility because you know, we need more people like yourself, you know, who are championing social mobility within their space and you know their respective fields because mm. it just makes the um the whole the whole system, the whole like every opportunity more representative of people of the modern day society. Um sure. because, you know, there's still work to be done. We're not at the finish line yet um so as you said you worked in tech with linkedin and you also work at international organization um as a british council so i just wanted to ask like how did you go about obtaining various experiences across distinct sectors like you know banking um because i see that you have an insight um insight experience at um a broad investment bank and then going into tech public sector and you know mm-hmm. in now your current role at the british council so what was the methods towards gaining those different various experiences and what advice would you give to our members who are listening today? Sure, yeah, and you've done your research well, gosh, you know, I love, I <laughs> love that. Talking, you know, talking, that's that's sure, yeah, I know, but you know, it's always nice to be researched, I don't mind, <laughs> I don't mind that. Um, so, yeah, without being too banal and, you know, saying a lot of the advice that probably others would would share, um, I can only really talk to my my personal experience, but yeah. outside of luck and good fortune, so I think everybody, particularly if you are upwardly mobile like myself, mm-hmm. that definitely plays a part into that journey. Um, but yeah. outside of that, I think the two things that stood out for me that has helped me um, you know, solicit certain opportunities quite quite quickly would be proactivity Yes. Um, uh, and networking. So mm-hmm. you know, when you do come from a lower socioeconomic background, there are so many things that are outside of your control. You know, you yeah. can't control whether 
someone determines an accent is more appropriate or not, or a certain way of dressing is more appropriate or not. You know, you can't you can't really impact your network. This is someone else's, you know, kind of inherent network. Um, but what you can impact and what you can control is your proactivity, how yeah. much you really want something. And that's something that I always, you know, really want to instill into people's minds who do come from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, whether this is the first time you've heard it or the hundredth time you heard it, <laughs> you know, proactivity <laughs> is key. And I'll just give some examples yeah. into how that's played out in my life so far. So you mentioned LinkedIn uh, in tech. So how that actually came about was um, after my summer internship in banking, I knew two things that I didn't want to work straight after university, but I most importantly did not want to work in finance. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> I, and I wanted to be a lot more intentional with my career so I yeah. did lots of research in different companies and so forth. And I found that LinkedIn had this vision of creating economic opportunity for every member of the global workforce. And I thought, okay, sign me up. Like, that's where I want to be. They had this really cool graduate program. I was like, okay, want that. Obviously, I know it's tech. It's going to be hard. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm mission-driven, to be honest. And that's why I want to, where I want to work. So I went on to, I went on to LinkedIn you know, to see who I knew yeah. worked at LinkedIn. Not the app, but, you know, the actual website with yeah. the opportunities. <laughs> exactly. www.linkedin.com. Uh, typed in LinkedIn in the search bar, literally. I was you know, probably your age at this time, 20 or so. And, yeah. you know, it showed me all a list of people that were in my second... I didn't know anyone in my first degree, but it did show everyone who was in my second or third degree connections. Yeah. And there was a, a recruiter who worked at LinkedIn that we had, that had, I had a mutual connection with. So I dropped her this long email or in-mail saying, look, I really want to work for LinkedIn these are my reasons why I see you're connected with X. Can you connect me with him? I mean, a bit of the back yeah. and forth. Um, he connected me, uh, met up, she connected me with him, met up with him in London. Um, and the rest is, you know, history. I worked for three and a half years. Similar with the British council, to be honest. So on my gap year, I did, um, I was fortunate enough to receive a scholarship to study in China. Um, must, the be British nice. council. Sorry? must be very nice. Yeah, it was, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm complaining, man. Free ride, pretty much, to study. <laughs> you know, that word free, I mean, it's a good word for me. Um, yeah, you know, I don't have all these... everything. Yeah. I say everything free. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, yeah, it was an amazing experience. You know, learned so much um, and just really value the opportunity to study in China uh, from the British Council. So I always said to them, upon my return from the, the scholarship, you know, if there's anything I can ever do, always feel free to contact me and you know it's funny because when, when when you say that and you and you mean it people will you know call you up on that which is great yeah that exactly. gives me it gives you the opportunity to then you know give back to people so they'd ask me to write blogs they would ask me to be in video campaigns at the time i was living in dublin in ireland and they you know they would ask me to come to london i'd fly out on my own cost Oof. and sometimes they couldn't pay for it because that's how much i value you know the impact or you know, the opportunity they'd given to me and i wanted to give yeah. back to them Exactly. Um, so, but being quite proactive by letting them know that, and then you know, at an event, you know, two years ago, twenty nineteen, at British Council event, the hiring manager at the time, um, which I was speaking at, pulled me aside and said, "We have this open role, Gary. I think you'll be great for it. Come and work for me." So, quite different, and and here, here's where I am right now, right? I, I work in yeah. an organization now. So, um, you know, look at all these different experiences, and I think proactive, proactivity underpins it. Going after yeah. opportunities, you know, creating relationships. Don't wait for things to fall on your lap. I mean, some things might, but the yeah. more you go out, go out looking for them, the more you will find them. And sometimes I think, well, I don't even know what I'm looking for. But it's just about exactly. You know, and that is that is that is a real challenge. Like, how can you yeah. even find these opportunities that they exist, or how do you even search for certain things? I definitely like completely um and I kind of uh, identify with that. Um, I find that a lot of the times 
a lot of time where I, at least when I was younger, you know, found out about these opportunities, it was through just discussion, just talking to people. People are generally and genuinely, you know, quite happy to help and support others. You just have to let other people know what you need help and support with. And I think sometimes people don't like to share where they need support or help because they might think it indicates a lack of potential or lack of ability. But it's not that at all. People are very, very happy to to support. Um, so I find that where I, where I have access information that's you know raised awareness of a particular opportunity, it's where I just ask someone to like, you know, I'm planning to do a gap year after university. I haven't really got everything sorted out, but I'm looking to you know be intentional with this time, and I want to do some yeah. interesting interesting experiences. You know, do you have any experience with this? What do you think? And that's actually how I found out about the British Council um, scholarships. Um, okay. Someone of the yeah, so uh, just to kind of wrap that up, um, I'd say the main thing is really just being proactive and, mm. and, and seeking out opportunities, seeking out conversations, you know, putting yourself in uncomfortable um, positions but where whereby you can access knowledge and learn. Um, yeah. It, it seems very lofty and probably very general, but these are the but general... Sorry? But it works. It's, exactly, exactly. And they're, they're, they're general for a reason because they are the foundations towards progression. And if you don't have yeah. the foundations, then you will not or be very challenging to progress. So yeah. that's that would be my kind of main, main um, kind of tip, if you like. Because as you can see, going from banking to tech to the public sector, you know, they're all so different. <laughs> you know, One's for money, one is technology, <laughs> one's public sector. So you're like, the skills are not aligning. The passion, the motivation must not be the same. Sure. But as you said, it was a proactivity. You wanted to seek knowledge, you know, you wanted mm. to have discussions about like, what will I need to have in order to go into that role at British Council or LinkedIn or in banking. Um, so I think it's, even though you, even though you said it's general, but it works in the day because if you don't show proactivity with like how you're using your time, how you want to go and gain information about different opportunities, it's not going to fall in your lap because the world doesn't owe you much, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's about you being like hungry enough to actually go out and get it. And like, Gary, you said that perfectly fine in regards to like, you know, you flying out from Dublin to London out of your own pocket yeah. to do blogs. Personally, for me, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's, a it's a different type of love for British sure. Council. Is you know when you're hungry and you, you want something, you're driven. You're going to make the doors open anyway. Exactly. Even if it means, if, even if it means, going to be a hit on my, you know, my bank balance or whatnot. But you know, you want it that much. And I think it shows because for your hiring manager to now pull you aside, yeah. to say, open role. Do you want to take it? Yeah. Yeah. Alarm bells like, yep, it's working. Everything yeah. is making sense. So. You know, proactivity, you know, combine that with, you know, your network as well as, you know, you actually being intentional about what you want to achieve, what you want to gain. It just makes it more easier for you to get that dream role that you're looking for, even if you don't know what you want to do after graduation or, you know, for long term. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, just even with the British Council, that um, that role took three, that process took three years from when I did my scholarship to actually, you know, the hiring manager saying that. So it takes yeah. time, you know, yeah. um, for these opportunities to to arise. And it's about being long-term focused and purpose-driven. And uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I suppose one last thing, which I'll just touch on very briefly, that kind of helped me um, kind of obtain these opportunities. It's the, it's the company you keep. I think when you, yes. co- when you come from a lower socioeconomic background, it's not enough to be laissez-faire of your relationships. You have mm. to be putting yourself in environments where the benchmark is high because that yeah. will, you will, if you are around people that are talking about getting A stars and first class degrees and summer internships, you will naturally start to want to you know, achieve those things too. And exactly. if you don't have those relationships or those networks, you know, off the bat, because maybe you're just not put into a high ambitious network, you need to seek 
those networks. They say you are the average of the five people you spend the most yeah. time with. You know, uh, obviously true. not not an actual mathematical equation, <laughs> but, but, but and it's the meaning behind it. Like the people exactly. you surround yourself with is a representation of yourself. So, as you said, if the environment's not obviously, don't even say like, oh, your your network, people listening, your network isn't you know great. But it's like, how is your network performing in terms of like what is their aim, what's their goal? Because for example, I can speak to what you said. Like when I came to university, my first year, the people I was hanging around were making startups. Some were having yeah. businesses. I was just like, damn, I've come to university to get my degree and leave. But they're talking about internships, spring weeks, inside sure. It's like, I now have to, not not in terms of like, um, you know, to compete, but I need to now level up myself to make sure mm-hmm. that I'm trying to do as much as I can, you know, to grow my network. As you said, be proactive because it all makes a difference in the end. Yes. So I definitely agree. You know, the, the company you keep actually like helps, helps or undermines you in, in a similar vein in terms of like what you can achieve. Um, so it's about surrounding yourself in those discussions where people are talking about big stuff happening because exactly. it also because it's knowledge being fed down to you also as well um so yeah thank you for that gary no problem My um, amazing i'm loving it already only one only one question i'm just like <laughs> that was so much away oh this is this podcast anyway um so my second question is related to the british council so for those um wanting to access opportunities or career with organizations similar to the british council like what's the t- like what's the um avenue or the route to actually get in a role or gain exposure to the british council because i know there is some that I know my friend did um, a British council. There was a scholarship um, to study at China for the um, for summer for like from like June to August. But yeah. outside of that, what other opportunities can like people from like our background, like social mobile candidates, like how can they seek those opportunities? Sure. Good, good question, Josh. I think I'll zoom out of this question specifically on the British council, but talk more to international bodies. You know, because yeah. the British Council is an international organization. We work in yeah. over 100 countries in every continent in the world, you know, but, and we deal mainly with cultural relations. But I think that question can also be applied to something like the UN or the World yes, Bank. Yes, definitely. Or the IMF, right? Like really quite exclusive organizations. Um, you know, yeah, you know, not difficult, easy to break in and also quite obscure in terms of you know, how um, you can break into them. But I'll, I'll, I'll take it from that perspective because I think what how I respond to this question could be applicable to all of them. So my yeah. main thing, because obviously you, you, you've just heard my story of how I got there. So it's very much proactivity, networking, you know, mm-hmm. maintaining relationships. But another thing I think um, was really kind of compelling or at least put me in, in a position to be a contender was the fact that I had um, international experiences. You look yeah. at the UN, the, you know, the, the World Bank, the British Council, they're international bodies. They deal with cultural relations. They deal with yeah. international diplomacy. So if you are mm. now coming to, you know, them with no international experience, well, it's, it doesn't, there's a mismatch, right? Yeah. And, and obviously international experiences are, you know, it's just traveling and so forth. It comes with a certain cost, which I know for people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds might always be the most um, readily available thing, but it is something that if people do want to move into these fields, you will want to, um, be seeking out actually even just to zoom back you know from university or careers you know one thing I'm kind of bullish on I always advocate for people who maybe you know in there studying for the A-levels or something is to study languages Oof, La- yeah. languages that <laughs> yeah no, languages are they're, they're they're going in decline I think I think less and less people in the UK are studying languages but it's really I think it's a real shame because mm. if you study languages at university that will probably or typically involve you know at least six months or a year of your degree um, studying abroad and yeah. recent research from the university UKI so universities UK international they found that disadvantaged groups gain the most 
from an international oh. experience, be it study, work, or volunteering, but they are yeah. also the least likely groups to go abroad. I don't like the word disadvantaged, I typically like to say less privileged. So they found yeah. that graduates from less privileged backgrounds who were mobile, which basically means who had gone abroad for a, a kind of a structured program, mm. earned 6.1% more than their peers who have not gone abroad. And also yeah. black graduates who were mobile, so who had gone abroad uh, for a study, work or volunteer, tearing, mm-hmm. were 41% less likely to be unemployed after graduation. And, wow. and and the reason why this is, is because, and I can t- I can talk for someone who's, you know, I've traveled to over 40 countries. I've lived in three countries. Ooh, I've... 40 countries? Wait, yes. slow down. We're not just going to whiz past that. 40 <laughs> countries? Yeah. So out of 40 countries, what would you say is your top three destinations? You've yeah, sure. Um, China, uh, China is very... Okay, yeah, we've got big up China. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> South Korea and Colombia. Oof, interesting. Yeah, interesting. yeah, very different. I've got Dubai, Europe, but, you know, you said South Korea... Colombia and China. Oh, so, South Korea is sick. I'll tell you that now. South Koreans are cool people. <laughs> like, that's just everything. The way they dress, the way they just like, oh man. I was there for a couple of weeks with my Korean friends. And it like, so, so when you go to a country like as authentic or culturally rich as Korea, you, you know, it's always suggested to go with someone who's from that country. Yeah. You just have a deeper experience or more authentic experience. So I went with my Korean friends Um and they just introduced me to the, it was just incredible. Great food. They're so cool. Where they dress. Oh, Anyways, so South Korea is great. And then Colombia is just like, it's just amazing. Like, it's just great fun. Like, yeah. So I would definitely, those, those be my three. But yeah, I've been to 40 countries now. And, you know, to, to, to look at you know, Gary pre-traveling, living abroad to Gary now, there's a, there's a, there's a certain experience, Josh, that you go through when, you, mm. when you're in a different environment, when you're living in a different country that just stretches you. You know, yeah. it broadens your mind. You know, I, I went to you know, India and everywhere. And when you can go to a country, and I've done a lot of solo travel as well, right? So I've gone to countries where I have not known anybody, got onto a plane, didn't speak the language. You know, you just kind of go onto it. That does something to your confidence, Josh. And when mm. you can go to a country where you've never ever been before, you don't know anybody there, and you have a good time, you don't just survive, you thrive. <laughs> that, really, you know, really, that really installs in your mind that you can do anything. No, that yeah. really does. So when you go to an interview and you've had this experience and you have this confidence and this self-assuredness, you know, this understanding of who you are, when someone asks you a question, you can just go, well, I've done this. Yeah. And I had, you know, and I feel good. So you know, there's all these skills, emotional intelligence, international awareness, adaptability. They all are really heightened and sharpened, really cultivated when you go abroad and you're in unfamiliar settings. Uh, it's yeah. something that doesn't necessarily happen when you're in your home country. When you look at a lot yeah. of privileged people and you know, they do their gap years, you know, before university or after university. So they have these experiences where they can just, you know, they do it kind of solo or whatever, where they're, where they, where they're stretching themselves. Um, and that shows up in an interview. All those skills I mentioned, directly translated into the workplace to me when there was a yeah. piece of work that was being offered you know my hand was first up i was speaking first i mean you couldn't stop me josh i mean i was speaking first in meetings you know i was sending emails to you know the you know, second third in command because i wow. had the confidence to and, and, and getting those meetings you know yeah. standing up because i just had all these experiences and skills um sharpened from living abroad so i would just i implore people to to travel a lot more to get those international experiences particularly because you know when you're looking at the un British council you know know, because they are international bodies they work with cultural relations or international diplomacy you want to showcase that you have those experiences and and Mm -hmm. that you have an you know you have a real life experience that will suggest you're interested in this type of work 
But even yeah. outside of that, it's all the soft skills development that you will have. And, I, and, and an anecdote I always like to share is actually about South Korea because one of the one of the best um, skills, let's say, or, that I've kind of developed is my open mindedness and my curiosity. So when I was in when I was in South Korea, um, you know, let's say my friend he told me you know, just through conversation you ask how old people are, right? And he told me he was let's say twenty five. I was fine. Mm. Okay, great. So we went to, we went to the airport. We're going to you know uh, to travel to go to South Korea. And he gave me his passport, just looking through it. And it actually turned out that he was 26, let's say. Oh. I was like, um, why would you tell me you're 26? Like, you're 25 when you're actually 26. So what he told me was, in, in Korea, they count. So in Korea, you have two ages. You have an international age, which is the age oh. that we would have, which is the day you're born, that is your birthday. Yep. And then you kind of age from there. But then you mm-hmm. have your Korean age, which in Korea is, they count the one, the nine months that you were in your mother's womb as okay. one year of life. Yeah. Wow. So when okay. so, so, so that he, means my age, my age will be. You'll be one year older. I've, so when I heard this, I was like, "Well, why would you want to age yourself? Like, who wants to do that? Like, surely you want not to be me. Age, not me, right?" And I just thought that was that's that's really strange. Like, why they, that they mm. do that? But like, then I zoomed back, Josh, and I thought, "Well, actually, South Korea is one of the most developed countries in the world. They yeah. are. It's home to some of the biggest corporations, from LG mm-hmm. to Samsung." Salote Corporation, you know, they have universal education. I mean, yep. just because they do things differently doesn't mean they do things wrong. Yes. So it just broadens your mindset. And that, again, translates into work whereby, um, you know, when people are, let's say I have a decision or an idea and people challenge it, I meet that not with resistance, but with curiosity and interest. So okay. there's so much value from international experiences being in different places in terms of your soft skills development and what they'll actually do on your outcomes you know again less privileged people benefit the most from it but when you want to zoom in specifically for organizations like the british council um the world bank i think having those international experiences to talk to in an interview will really stand to you because it showcases that you are interested in this work and i actually think all of my colleagues so i used to um you know i was based in beijing all of my colleagues who were not chinese you know who are from you know wherever who were working would have had some sort of international experience Mm. during their studies or something. So I'd say if you're interested in, you know, kind of international diplomacy or something like that, look for, you know, opportunities that would take you abroad, be it the programs that we run. So check out what we do online um, yeah. or any other organize or even just what your university might offer. And universities yeah. have a lot of international programs too. So I would suggest that. Yeah, 100%. I think there's just a lot to take away from like what you said in terms of like, it goes back to proactivity, you know, wanted to travel the world. Um, even whether it be solo or a friend, you know, to because it just increases your curiosity. Because, for example, for me to hear that you have two ages, 25 and 26, I'd be like, what's going on? <laughs> it goes back to the curiosity, like, okay, so this makes me want to now understand the culture behind exactly. South Korea. And yes. that goes back into, like, if I want to work at the British Council, UN, IMF, World Bank, they they all have their own um, duty to, you know, as in such a body. So they have to be curious about like, what's happening in different it, countries, different yeah. regions, whether it's sub Saharan Africa or, you know, Middle East. They need to understand what's happening. So if you can show that curiosity from going on like a year abroad with your um, degree program or, you know, start, or like going to another country yes. for summer, have your own pocket, you know, it will just make you have a different understanding or a different mindset of like what goes on in that country. Because for example, for me, who lived in the UK, if I go to a country like, I don't know, Zambia, because I do my dissertation on that, on that country, I might think, really? oh, this is how the country op- operates on a on a granular level. So I might be more, um, I might be more, curious like oh well how did this work the culture behind it what's the significance for it which might be different to my own upbringing um so i think what you said guy makes sense in terms of like you know proactivity in terms of like getting these abroad experiences whether it's for your degree or just through traveling um it just makes the whole experience worthwhile 
and it will benefit you in the end as well. Absolutely. You know, the confidence he gains, you know, hand always being up, no one can stop him. It would just it just makes you look that more desirable mm. to work with. Yeah. Um. So I think that's that's just beautiful. I would say, really and truly. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Thank you for that. Okay. Um. So my third question um is somewhat goes into a different um vein, different area. Um. <laughs> but I just want to talk about like like during your time of working from like LinkedIn even to like now. Um, have you experienced any challenges like um, while you know being a black man like in terms of like you know working with other people from different um, backgrounds who may not understand your you know your upbringing you know your journey your struggle and like what methods did you use like to overcome like these challenges as a black man within like your various um, your various experiences in different industries sure yeah um, so I think the first thing I'll say is I've never really experienced anything overt in terms of you know, and I, and that's not to say it doesn't happen. Because I know it does. But yep. I haven't experienced anything with someone saying or doing something specifically because I'm black. Yes. Um, fortunately, I mean, I'm aware that it might happen because you can't control other people. But, <laughs> you know, people are who they are. And, you know, you've got to be prepared for that. But um, I, what I can definitely say I have experienced is in the context of, of me being a you know, I go to the gym, so I'm quite broad. I'm six foot three. I'm bearded. I am black, of course. Oh, you know, sorry, six foot. Six ah, foot. Three. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm a big guy. You know, I have a presence. But what that, and obviously I'm, I'm black as well. So what I have, and I would say, I know happens oftentimes, is that sometimes people meet me with a certain curtness or roughness with the delivery mm. of the way they kind of say things to me. You know, it's kind of like, you know, he, he can handle it. You know, we can talk to him in this way. We can talk to him, mm. you know, or they can be quite um, unempathetic or very apathetic about the way they speak to me, you know, because of the way I might come across, or the way I might, you know, speak. Whereas someone else might be dealt with in with a lot more consideration, um, yeah. you know, or a lot more thought. People can just you know, say things quite loosely or lazy forever because they, they, I don't know, whatever attributes I have, it might just mean they're not really thinking about the delivery of what they say. You know, I'm, I'm quite an emotional person, you know, you know, and emotions are, you know, range from happiness to sadness, to fearfulness, to joy. You know, it's a wide spectrum. And I, mm. and I have good emotional management, but I'm an emotional person. If you say something rough, tough, sharp, you know, I will feel, you know, but sometimes mm. people don't acknowledge that yeah. based yeah. on, you know, some of the experiences or some of the characteristics I have, you know, it's, there's the lack of consideration, you know, so I've had, I've definitely been spoken to in ways that I think have been a bit tough, you know, mm-hmm. that's a bit too tough. And I think, you know, if I was the inverse of me, so, you know, you know, Oof. not six foot three, not black, not a man, not all these things, you know, would you have met me yeah. with that same delivery of that same tone? And sometimes yeah. that can be quite frustrating to think that, you know, people are speaking to me in this way because, you know, I, I, and you notice it, right? Because something sometimes like, is it in my head? When you have to sit back and observe and think, you know, in similar situations, how has this person, be it a manager or, or a peer, you know, spoken to someone else who's different to me? And you do notice these things, they do. And mm. almost every time, if I notice something, I will pull someone aside in okay. a respectful way. You know, yes, it's not, yes. you know, you said this and this upset me. Ah, no, we do that. We don't want to be civil. We don't want to have a whole exactly. conversation in the workplace, please. Because it's okay. people will come defensive with that, right? Particularly yes. if you're if you're going if you're mentioning the fact that you think they met you with this certain delivery because of race or any other thing. And people don't want to hear that, right? So mm. it's the approach I would usually take is that can we just have a chat? You know, or you know, just yeah. a couple of minutes. You know, really nice. Let's go into a room. You know, and then I'll just lay the ground and be like, look, I this 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 is what I this is what happened between us, right? Mm. This is how this is how I've observed it. This is how it made me feel. 
Yeah. Can you help me understand, like, why why your approach to speaking to me in this way or what you said to me? You know, why? Can you help me understand why you said it or why you said it that way? Because I've taken it this way. And I like to think that you didn't want me to feel this way mm. because I can't imagine that's, you know, within your remit of um, behavior, let's say, or whatever. Yeah. But this is how I felt. This is, you know, I just I want to really get into a page where we can understand each other better moving forward. So if you yeah. can share with me where how why you're coming from with that with that angle, that will help me be a bit more mindful in the future, but also can help you be a bit more mindful on how you speak to me. And yeah. when you pull someone aside, at least in my experience, and I've done this to managers, you Oof. know, as a as a 22 year old grad, you know, oh, I've definitely had you know management, you know, across you know whatever or you know different organizations. Um, say things, you know, and oftentimes it is innocuous and it's because people don't have direct lived experience with certain types of people. And yeah. almost every single time when I pull someone aside respectfully and maturely, I actually form a relationship with that person. Okay, so it works. It's, it's, it's Ex- a situation really and truly. Exactly. That person will be in a, you know, thanks for Gary for bringing it, raising it up, you know, or in this way, I was coming in at, you know, I didn't mean it that way. This is how I meant it. You know, and you just have a discussion. You know, yeah. and, and they actually appreciate that you're coming at them with, uh, with an amicable angle, not a, you know, an interrogative mm. angle. Um, yeah. And if you, and I actually, I personally, Josh, I think that moments like that where someone has said, depending on what they say, what they do, right? Like if someone oh, yeah, says, depends. Out, yeah, if someone says oh, that's outrageous, then you have to really, you know, there's proper channels for that. But if you think, if you, if you give someone the benefit of doubt that they're just saying something or doing something because of lack of exposure, lack of awareness, mm. if you give someone the... I actually think there's a great opportunity to form a relationship with someone. Like, I actually think, you know what? This person said that. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to form a relationship with that person, particularly if they're in leadership. Because, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> particularly because, you know, you might not get as much face time with that person or as much engagement. But when you do approach it in that way, more mature, you know, a more amicable way, you can form a relationship. And that is something that I have definitely seen in my career be cashed in for more rewards. Um, mm. So again, I think a lot of things are around mindset. You know, if someone does say something or do something to you that is upsetting, how do you then respond to that? You know, yeah. how do you then, you know, interpret that situation and and, and, and react to it? And I've always been quite um, methodical and quite intentional with what I do in these situations. And mm. it's paid out for me, you know, people that have said or done certain things because of inherent characteristics that I have, um, have then after an initial conversation gone on to be champions They've gone on to advocate for me in rooms that I'm not necessarily in. They've put okay. opportunities in front of me. So um, I like to always look for the opportunities and adversity because there is always an opportunity and adversity. You just have to find it and you yeah. have to look a bit harder. But that, that would be one of the main kind of challenges I've experienced is that kind of initial kind of roughness, toughness, lack of consideration for my being, my well-being, my emotions when people are just mm. kind of like delivering certain things. Do this now, you know, kind of thing. And, it's like, you don't talk to that person like that or anything, you know? Um, but then, yeah, just taking these, those, opp- those moments as opportunities to learn more about somebody else, but also yeah. to form a relationship with someone too. And one last thing I d- always do, you know, if that doesn't work out, maybe you do have a conversation with someone, doesn't go as well as you'd like or whatever. I'd always advocate, or I always zoom out of the initial situation and yeah. try to see, and try to, you know, not rationalize, that wouldn't be the right word, but I would understand but the isolated incident that i that i have experienced is not as significant as the broader picture you know yes i am in this situation to get xyz from it and this is one small blip in this kind of process that i'm in but the broader reason why i'm here is more significant than this one moment 
So I will manage this in the way that I need to, but -hmm. I won't let it get to me too much because I know I have a bigger purpose for being in this space right now. I think when you start to be a bit more intentional, a bit more long-term focused and think things that way, have that mindset, you won't let certain things get to you as much. But as I say, there are moments where people will say things outrageous or do certain things. I mean, I haven't experienced them. I said I haven't experienced anything overtly. Yeah. But if they are, then you know, don't rationalize that. Don't deal with that. Go through the proper channels. You know, yeah, you know, if there is anything like that, you know, I again, I haven't personally, but I don't want it to. I don't want to kind of create this idea of you know just kind of deal with it or you know, sort of thing. Or give everyone the benefit of that. Some people do need to be dealt with in the right way. Yes. Um, but that would be some of the the things that I would suggest is, you know, have mature and kind of conversations, see those moments as opportunities to form relationships and zoom out from the isolated incident to the bigger picture and understand yeah. you know, why you're actually in a certain space and why you should continue to be there. Yeah. Amazing. I think that's just interesting take, like you seeing adversity in terms of opportunity to make another connection, you know, to make another relationship, which will benefit you in the long term. But it just comes from you, like I used to take it a methodology, the word taking a very strategic approach like how am i going yeah. to this instance like what's the aim of me having a conversation with this person any day because you called them out not called them out but because you had a conversation with them they're not going to say oh joshua gary now as as call me up on this how would i now respond in the future okay mm-hmm. more meetings anything that's going on with events i'll bring them to it because i've seen your face even though the opportunity even though the instance wasn't you know on good terms because mm. you've shown your face You've been covered enough to even speak to them. They're now going to say, okay, this person really does care about his well-being and his place in the workplace as in as well. Mm-hmm. So that's that's just beautiful for me to just hear for like in the future when I go into whatever career I want to go into. Yeah. Therefore, I'm spoken to in a way which you know doesn't make sense, or I'll be treated in a different way to my peers due to yeah. like my internal characteristics. I'm gonna think, okay, let me just have a conversation with you. Obviously, yeah. not inter- not me interrogate you, but me not just just understand why. Yes. You said you said understand why this happened, like why was I Help me understand. Help, help me understand. understand, yeah. This is a yeah. key line. You know, yeah, help me understand what's yeah. going on. Yeah, help me understand why you said it this way or what you were thinking when you said X because it didn't make me feel good. I don't understand why you did it. And I'm, I'm sure there's a reason why you said it. Yes. So I just want to know. Yes. And then there might not be. You know, but then yeah, you discuss that in, that in that. Maybe they just didn't think about it more, you know? And yeah. then you discuss that and then you take it from there. And just on the topic of relationships and connections, I think, again, when you come from a lower socioeconomic background, like you're not born with those connections. So you have to build them. You have to make them. You have to, to make them. them. Uh, honestly. So, you know, don't burn bridges if they don't need to be, you know, or just you know, or be strategic. You have to be strategic with, with with these things because at the end of the day, life is about who you know, not what you know. So the oh, more people you have right. on your, your side. Network, your network is your network. I mean. I've heard it so many times, Ashfiq, this t- this phrase, I can't, it's the cliche, but, it, you know, <laughs> it is, there's value in it because it like fact. who you know, because like, are you, in, I think bringing it back to what you said, like the people that you spoke to in the instance where you felt like you were sp- you spoke too harshly, they then became your sponsors in a way. Because like if there was a meeting, you're not in that meeting, but okay, Gary has had a, had a conversation with him. He might be good for this. But if you didn't speak to that person in that instance, they wouldn't know your name. So the fact that you've made, you've, so you made, you've made a sponsor to speak for you, to fight for you in your corner, it just, it's, just, it's just like it's a win-win, as I said earlier. So the connections, you have to make them in whatever environment they are, adversity, yeah. you know, if it's a great time, you know, you just have to make them any way you can and just make them stick and be strategic about it. Um, so, yeah, amazing. I'm um, mm. just going to go into the last question um, for today and it links back to social mobility. Um, okay. This is a general question, you know, you can take it as you will. Um, but what does social mobility mean to you, Gary, and what excites okay. you about being a social mobility champion given the launch of your recent Kaimanda Rugs podcast? 
<laughs> Shameless plug there. Don't mind. Yeah, so I have a podcast, Climbing the Rungs, <laughs> Social Mobility Podcast. Check it out. Um, yeah, sure. So what does social, social mobility mean to me? So I define, I think the general idea of social mobility is that, you know, the you know, where you're born or where you start off in life shouldn't determine your outcomes or shouldn't limit yeah. your outcomes, you know, equality of opportunity. Mm. The way I would define social mobility is, or how I define social mobility is, the agency that one has over the movement of their social position. So I think the word has hey. mobility in it. So I feel like it has to, the definition has to determine a movement. So that's okay. how I define it, right? If yeah. a country, if I have more agency over the movement of my social my social position, let's say my parents are plumbers, you know, very respectable, mm-hmm. skilled job, but yeah. I want to be a lawyer. If there are less or, or no barriers to for me to do that, other than my proactivity, my hard work, quote, yes. hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have the access to information, if there are opportunities in my area, if I'm not going to be encumbered by lack of networks, you know, if it's all on me, really, yeah. then that place yeah. where I'm in is a social mobile place. Okay. But if yeah. I don't have much agency, if there are inherent barriers based on my accent, who I do and don't know, what I do for interest, what I don't do for my interests. Okay. If all of these things are in the way, then that is a less socially mobile place or country. So mm. that's how I define it. I think if you can decide that you want to do something and you can do it just because of yourself, um, that's socially that's socially mobile. Also, that's a social mobile place. Um, of course, particularly in a country like the UK, uh, very classist, very stratified. You know, there are inherent barriers. So you know, we mm. are not doing great for you know our social mobility levels, particularly, which is a real shame given that we are a developed country. Um, yeah. There is such you know, fertile ground for us to be a, a much more socially mobile place, but there is work to be done. Yeah, I think what excites me about being a social mobility champion, you say, being very vocal in the mm. space now, is that the rhetoric is now being met by action across the yes, world. Yes, it's now you being met by action. You know, yes. not, not, not late, but you know, we, I think it's we're seeing more, you know, attention in social mobility. Yes, and like broaden it. You know, we have social mobility commission, which is always speaking about you know these issues. Exactly, doing research. You're like, oh, how do you look accountable? You know, the firms, the corporates, even exactly. The so I think because there's now action. It means that you can, there's more progress to be made, even though it's not going to be perfect, but it's still it's still something. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I always see your, you know, I think it's Fact Fridays or Fact Sundays oh, or something. Club right there for ninety percent club Manchester. Yeah, Manchester specifically. <laughs> I think one of the posts got here hundred or something like so. You know, a bit of virality there <laughs> or something. You know, so shout out to you guys. You know, the other, you other clubs should be you know taking note, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's definitely more rhetoric. You know, I think, you know, successive, you know, governments previously have always spoken about, you know, levelling up the big society and all this mm. stuff. And um, it hasn't really, like, really come to fruition, right? And I think now yeah. we are seeing a lot more globally, right? A lot more. And I, I would I would say because, you know, the consequences of it now are very dark. I personally believe that if we leave income inequality to widen or we leave it unfettered there'll be populist backlash i yes. think people are going to get you know, particularly in a post-covid world where you know income inequality has just widened so much further people are realizing mm. that actually i'm poor my dad was yeah. poor my granddad was mm. poor my great-granddad was poor my kids What's are going to be poor and we're working hard at yes. the same time you know we are working hard in the ways that we think we should be at mm. the same time all those privileged people are living their great lives i'm fed up 
You know, yeah. something needs to change. And when that experience is met in volume, it can be very dangerous. And that's led even the IMF recently last month, Kristalina Giajova, who is the head of the IMF, manager director, and the IMF broadly, have called on wealthy countries to or countries to to impose wealth tax to prevent social unrest. Like it's, okay. if the IMF are saying this, it's you know this is it's like serious. it's serious, you know, and it's, it's, it's this is being you know, and the IMF are usually quite a conservative organization. This is their like a real indication of them moving to a more progressive organization because of the consequences socially. Mm. Um, so it, the, the rhetoric has to be met by action because, you know, it will be d- disastrous, I think. And you can see the examples of this from the Gilets jaunes protests in France, which is, you know, almost completely, you know, protest against elitism. The US yeah. capital riots, arguably, the, the way some parts of the north of the UK reacted or resisted to you know, impose lockdowns from Whitehall. People oh, are God. saying it's enough. Manchester was looking like, "Hey, we ain't gonna." Manchester was it. not happy, and it was it was understandable because <laughs> you know you see because you know I, I I grew up in London. I come to Manchester to study, and I can understand you know the thoughts and the feelings of backlash against Whitehall or Westminster mm-hmm. because you've been promised years of development, leveling up, but where is it? So now you want us to lock down. Where's the money to help us? You know, go for this period of you know lockdown because at that time it was probably November. November to December, mm-hmm. like, we don't know lockdown was going to end. So, like, how long are we going to be in this position of like hundred you know, percent? And businesses are like, listen, like <laughs> we need to. You're just locking us down. You're in London. You guys are enjoying your summer and everything and whatever it is. And <laughs> you're just telling us, you know, you know even, honestly. So you know, there is fertile ground for populist backlash, and countries are now starting to realize that we actually have to. We can't just let globalization, automation, offshoring you know, mm. displace all these jobs and ruin these working class families' lives, rid them of any dignity of work because the consequences are really severe. So now yeah. you see Joe Biden have his American Families plans where he wants to grow the economy from the bottom up now. You know, yep. he wants to give child, you know, increase child tax credits or increase um, or get free childcare or free pre, um, pre-K education. You know, he wants to um, focus on, on giving more jobs um, to the working class and so forth because he understands that if if we don't, don't consequences do consequences are honestly there's nothing less <laughs> France have closed the ENA right this really elitist university in a bid to um, uh, encourage more social mobility the UK have our leveling up agenda with the Turing scheme a 100 million pound mm. program for international experiences which is heavily weighted towards disadvantaged students yeah. um, the rhetoric is now being met of action still lots more to, to be, be done. done but it means that there's like this this issue it's it's being met on a global stage of millions and billions of dollars that you know and not to be too controversial but isn't necessarily always put in for other strands on the diversity gender like race or gender oh yes we can go yeah. to that another day <laughs> i know right <laughs> all very serious parts of someone's identity you know that does affect their outcomes and we still need a lot of work in those areas too but when you yeah. look at uniquely you know, socially, you back on less privileged people, working class. I think people are realizing that actually, we've we've kind of marginalized this group for a long time. Meritocracy, or you know, it, which is a myth, has you know, which is a massive myth, has really you know ostracized this group of people. Um, they're getting fed up. We need to focus on giving them more opportunities. And it's great being a part a part of this discussion right now. Um, as someone who has been upwardly mo- is upwardly mobile and has gone through that very quickly. Um, I believe and know I have unique insights and you know to share and I look forward to being a part of this of the progression on this just as much as you are, Josh. 
Yeah, definitely. I think there's just a lot to take away from it, and especially it being like seen on a global scale. I didn't think of like you know the protests in France, you know Joe Biden, yeah. and then, you know the IMF to because I haven't only taken IMF, but for them to say you know you need to address the inequality gap in wealth because if you don't, there'll be consequences socially. Um, and I think it's I big. just enjoy it. it's big, mm. and I just enjoy like you know speaking about my experiences, you know, to help people not feel diminished about their background, whether you're from a working class background, you know, single parent household, because at the end of the day. If you work hard, you should be gifted opportunity. Not not gifted, but I think you should you deserve the opportunity. Um, you know, to show your skill, to show what you what you what you have to bring to the table, whether that's for um an employment role or what you want to do um after graduation or even to get to university. Um so I just enjoy like, having these discussions because it just um it just speaks to like what needs to be done in the future for like for us to have a more, you know, equitable society. Yeah. And you know, as you said earlier, there's more strands of diversity, like, you know, race, um, race race social mobility and there's other factors you know which may not have been addressed as much but if you address social mobility there's hopes that it will also spill over onto other 100 percent, 100 so yeah so gary thank you so much for today i really enjoyed our discussion um and yeah i hope for the listeners it's been engaging it's been lovely and we hope to see you lot soon thank absolutely. you absolutely check out climbing the rungs yeah climbing the rungs plug we are another podcast that is, you know, trying to inspire. Look, let me have my few minutes here, Josh. We are, this is, <laughs> we are also, you know, a social mobility podcast. We want to inspire you. What we do is we speak with you know, other less privileged professionals who are doing really well or have come from less privileged backgrounds who are doing really well in their careers across industries. And they share how they've done that, be it through law, banking, consulting, marketing, entrepreneurship. Um, they share their insights, but we also have general discussions around social economic disadvantage too. So check it out, climbing the rungs, and uh, yeah, I look forward to having you tune in. Amazing! Awesome. As Thanks, you said, listen to that podcast. So yeah, thank you so much, Gary. It's been enjoyable. I really enjoyed it, and yeah, see you awesome. later. Take care. Bye. 